Hello, I'm RP, they are Sage, and welcome to the Here for the Bands podcast. Yes, this is episode three, the cursed episode, also known as Halloween part two. And uh, this time we are going to be talking about our favorite Halloween and spooky-ish media. Spooky-ish. Spooky-ish. Because I, I don't do scary. I do. I know you do, darling. So, to start off with, I think we should acknowledge the absolute biggest, spookiest icon. And I would argue that everyone should start with Tim Burton, really. I think that's quite an emotional Absolutely. Thing. Because if we're going to be talking anything through spooky media, well, my man Tim it knows exactly what's going on with, with the spooky medias. For and sure. I'm a, I'm a big old Tim Burton fan myself. I'm also a big old Johnny Depp fan. And I think it's no coincidence that they overlap quite regularly. But that's, mm-hmm. I'm also a big Helena Bonham Carter fan. They well, also who isn't? Quite and Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter were, I think they were actually married. They were at least together. They, they lived together to the point where they were in a house. And then when they split up, they divided the house in two. So it was just two smaller houses. And then one would live on one side and one would live on the other side. Uh, that is a very Tim Burton arrangement, it, I have it, to it, say. Yeah. If you're if you're gonna if you're gonna divorce or leave someone, isn't that the most bougiest way of doing it? Absolutely. I've just realised Sweeney Todd is not on my list either. Oh yes, you're right. It's not on there, but absolutely fixed that yesterday. That needs to be on. I love everything Tim Burton does. Corpse Bride is arguably one of my favourite films of all time. Fact. Good taste. Yes. Sweeney Todd, incredible musical. Absolutely. Yeah. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Definitely, actually, a Halloween film. Absolutely. It pulls double duty, though. It does. So my ruling on does it count, and I think I think that we should have a Christmas episode at some point to discuss this further, if you should be able to take Christmas out and the film doesn't exist. Yeah, well, so, Nightmare uh, Before it, Christmas, if you take Christmas out... The film doesn't exist, no it is also a Christmas film. That's why I said it pulls double duty. Yes. Now, the other thing that we do need to consider in terms of, like, Halloween films mm-hmm. is something like Beetlejuice. Unpopular opinion. I don't care for Beetlejuice. Well, that's okay. You're entitled to your opinion, even if it is wrong. Well, clearly you've made bad life choices, but that's okay. Can I can I okay. change my past that you need to watch Beetlejuice? Um, if I can find Beetlejuice, I will watch it in addition to. But uh, yes, yeah, so it's like a controversial, not controversial, but it's like a eh, does it count as as Halloween? Is because there's nothing actually like Halloweeny about uh, Beetlejuice. It is just a it's it's a show about death. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like it counts as a Halloween film because it's about death, even well, though it's not actually got anything to do with Halloween. A lot of the, the things that are on my list are not specifically Halloween things. The pun, pun very much intended. They capture the feeling of Halloween, even if they're not specifically Halloween. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's how I went about making my list. Actually, no, I stood in front of my DVD shelf for about half an hour, just pulling out anything that I thought might work. And, like, I've, I've got the whole range of them on the shelf here behind me. Those are just the ones that made the grade and that I could actually lay my hands on. I have an extensive DVD collection and I never watch them anymore because Netflix. I mean, um, saying, I, I own over like, well, I say extensive. I think I, I got rid of a lot of them. So I think I only now own probably like 50 to 100 DVDs. So I've got a lot less than I used to. I used okay. to have, you know, like those single beds that you can like lift up and put things in. Yep. The entirety yep, of yep. that was DVDs. That sounds about like what we've got. But I've now sort of um, shrunk that down massively to essentially... Only films 
that if I get in the mood to watch and I want to watch, I don't want to be sad if they're not available on streaming. Right. So there's now a very select set of of DVDs where I'm like, if I want to watch you, I want to watch you. Whereas like the other DVDs I had, I was like, if I I go, oh, I'll watch that and I can't find it on a streaming service, I'll watch something else. Yeah. So a lot of the DVDs that I have are um, nostalgia picks, basically. Um, and indie slash art house slash foreign films that I'm not likely to find on Netflix or, well, Netflix or Amazon because those are the only ones that I've got access to currently. Um, right. When we moved into this house, uh, I trialed some uh, DVD library cataloging software well an app um that can with with the free trial you could catalog a hundred titles i burned through the hundred titles on one shelf of our dvd bookshelf right um so i pretty much gave up on cataloging because I was like, this is going to take forever. Uh, but I would estimate that we have probably close to a thousand titles. Jeez. Mr. Sage and I are both, I would say, not film buffs because that makes us sound like pretentious assholes. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say it does, but... but we enjoy film i'll i'll put it that way um i mean i used to manage two dvd stores so uh yes at the same time two branches of the same chain well not really a chain basically there were three of them in the city and i was responsible for two of them that uh store specialized in art house indian foreign films okay so I was really pretentious at one point, like proper art school film snob pretentious. I can um, see that. I am much more chill now. I'm much more like taste is is a totally personal thing. Oh yeah. Um, so, uh, were you done with Tim Burton, or did you have more to say? Oh, I can always talk more on Tim Burton, but we'll we'll go we'll go into something else because. I could I could sit for hours and talk to you about Tim Burton. Fair enough. While we're in the realm of Tim Burton, there is another name that we need to bring up, and that is Neil Gaiman. Okay. I'm talking about, firstly, Coraline. Okay, yeah, fair point, yes. Stardust, to a lesser extent, that is more of a fantasy, but it has some pretty spooky-ish things that happen. Stardust, um, as in the film where like the girl is the meteorite, and um, it's got like a million f- now famous, very famous celebrities that just keep rocking up every now and then. Yes, I did not know that had anything to do with Neil Gaiman. It's based on a Neil Gaiman book. Never knew that. For the sake of audio, that is Neverwhere. Don't know it. TV miniseries from nineteen ninety six. When Officer Rowan Richard Mayhew rescues a mysterious girl named Daw, 
Uh, he unwittingly finds himself part of her quest to learn why her parents have been killed. The next thing he knows, Mayhew's life changes forever as he's pulled into the fantastical world of London below, far from his mundane life in London above. Pursued by the murderous Messrs. Group and Vandemar, Daw and Richard, with the help of Hunter and the Marquis de Carabas, attempt to find the angel Islington, who knows the secret behind the murder of Daw's family, and possibly a way for Richard to go home. Well, it so, does sound very Neil. It is very Neil. Eerie more than spooky. Eerie. And, and okay. Eerie and strange. Okay. Which is definitely just Neil Gaiman. A another one that is not on my list, and I can't believe I forgot it from the list, Good Omens. Also, again, not something I would say is halloween -y, though. Not Halloweeny, but it's a story about the Antichrist. It is. It's... Doesn't make it Halloweeny though. No, but we said I don't do scary. Mm, that's true. I do strange. I do eerie. I do spooky-ish. Spooky light. Okay, we're gonna talk like eerie. No, if we're gonna talk like scary, then we should be talking like the Conjuring. We should be talking Exorcist. We should be talking... Not seen either. Oh, disgusting behaviour. Um, I know. What, what else have we got? Um, what else is actually like genuinely really quite scary? See, the problem is, to me, pretty much everything is scary. Because I have a very low scare tolerance. See, I, I'd argue I've got a very high scare tolerance. Like, jump scares do not affect me one bit. Like, I, I don't understand jump scare. They're pointless. They're, they're just awful. I literally sit there and like it'll go like ah! I just sit there, I'm like okay, yep. And so I get really bored in that. I like ones that that like freak you out a bit. Like I watched um, mm -hmm. oh, ba, 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 what was it called? Yes, The Descent. Right, I watched this not too long ago, like, like literally a week or so ago. It was honestly, it was a very very odd film because it's it's basically about this group of girls that go caving you know like climbing through caves right you know classic horror stereotype they're not alone in the dark right of course um, and it was actually quite a booky film apart from i think about half no i said only like three quarters of the way through the thing they were not alone with was shown too much where it almost uh, became like a comedy and i also had this issue right. with Seen the film Hush, or do you know the film Hush? No. Um, don't watch it; you'll hate it. It's a home invasion film. Um, but ah, okay, yeah. I, 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 didn't, I didn't think you would have seen it, but I, I didn't know if you'd heard of it or anything. Like, if, if it had come up before, someone going, "Oh, don't watch it; you'd hate it." Um, there's this film Hush. Yes, spelunking. That's exactly what they went to do. Um, there's a film Hush, and it's from the perspective of a homeowner who lives sort of out in the wilderness somewhere uh, but she's deaf and it's mm -hmm. a home invasion with a deaf protagonist and the film that would plays make me on super claustrophobic the film plays on it so you hear pretty much what she hears so if there's a very loud noise you hear like a small dong somewhere and you'll see her like turn like but normal like talking and noise and everything you can't you don't hear the film puts you inside of her ears but literally after about 10 minutes, um, I'll, I'll have to get you a picture of the the invader so this makes sense. That This is the person that's like 
doing the home invasion. They're wearing this mask. Right. Right. And after about five minutes, he takes it off. So what's the point? Yep. Ruined the whole film for me. Because from then onwards, it just turned into it. Like, because it, it, it did start relatively booky. You know, like, it, like, if you look at this concept, go away. If you look at this concept, of, like, mm -hmm. him in the window like that, and obviously you're not being able to hear anything. So it was actually That's kind freaky. of booky. Second he took his mask off, no. No, bored now. Because now, now it's gone from being, like, a scary home invasion to just some geezer standing at the window like, hello. Can I come in, please? See, I, I have feelings about home invasions, so that would probably still be scary for me. Probably, but I'm just saying, in terms of, like, as as a a person who enjoys horror, I, I don't understand. And it, it, it got, like, so... It got so many good reviews, and I think so much of the, like, review base was about its inclusivity, because it was... Because it had a deaf protagonist, and the to be fair, the audio mixing was incredible. I'll yeah. stick my hand on that. But as a horror film, it was horrendous. It just was. It was. I don't. I don't understand why you do it. There was. There's nothing wrong with her eyesight. Why did he need to take the mask off? You know, like it's not. Do you know what I mean? Right. It doesn't so make me, sense. Like, if you're, if you're going to use a, um, like a vulnerable person, in a right. horror film, whether that be you know um, someone living on their own, whether that be they're deaf or they're paralyzed or paraplegic or you know like if you're gonna use like a vulnerable person in some aspect part of the horror really should be especially something like a home invasion if, if it's like ghosts and stuff this doesn't count but if it's going to be like a like a home invasion or a murder or something like that part of the horror should play on that because part right. of the scary bit should be you sitting there going oh no they can't do this they're gonna get them they're gonna you know that you should right. play with you know, so if she's deaf, part of the the horror should play on that. The person doing the home invasion should know she's deaf and deliberately do things to try and get get away get away with it. E.g., stay out of sight, because if if he stays out of sight, he could be you know clunking around in the kitchen or something. She wouldn't know. So part of the mm -hmm. horror should be that he stays out of sight because she can't hear him. You know that. That should have been the, the big bit. And then she should have been having to try and find ways to either, to keep him in sight, you know, by by using um, um, auto lights or something. So that if mm -hmm. he moves to the side of the house, the light come on. So she knows he's over there because she can't hear him moving. Like that should have been part of the horror. But no, instead, he just stands at the window in a mask and she's like, oh, what? And then he takes the mask off. And he's like, hi. That's really not a spoiler. That literally happens within the first like ten minutes, so that's not a spoiler. And but I won't, I won't like spoil it. But she knows who he is as well. It's not like a random right. invasion. It's it's set up. He he's deliberately gone to gone to invade her home, no know, knowing who she is and the fact she's deaf. So the second he takes off the mask, she recognizes him and is like, "Oh, it's you." Right. I won't tell you who it is because that is a spoiler. But okay, that, that's me even further ruined the concept because if her only like if you're trying to do a home invasion so you're you're outside you've got the walls and the only the the only thing that and obviously they're deaf the only thing that you really have to use is her sight so the only thing you can actually scare her with is is visuals 
you know, you can't really scare someone with smells. That's not really a thing. He's outside the house, so you can't really, you know, you can't scare her with touch. What's the other sense? Sight. Hearing. Taste. You can't really scare someone with taste either. She hasn't got hearing, so the only thing he can scare her with is sight. E.g., if you rocked up in a creepy mask or as like a clown or something that's gonna look scary, you should stick with it. Because that's the only thing you've got going for you in a home invasion of a deaf person. On your channel. You got a monthly film rant. Yeah. Alright. There is also something that would be incredibly difficult to represent in film, but there is a condition called synesthesia. Yes, I know synesthesia. I have very mild synesthesia. It's difficult to explain. See, I would explain synesthesia as um, the expression of emotion through colour. I think that's the easiest. Medically speaking, synesthesia is when uh, two or more senses are confused, where the brain interprets the the inputs. Yeah. The famous one is... Uh, Basically, I can't remember which composer it was, but he heard notes as colours across his mind in terms of, like, colours moving and and that kind of thing. I have that to a very small degree. Really Um, sorry to interrupt, but I'm trying to look up to see who it was. And interestingly, Billie Eilish has synesthesia. And claim that doesn't she surprise me. Music, listening to her music, I can one hundred percent agree with that. If you think about the concept of music and the creation of music, much like most art, it is like a sensory overload. If that makes sense, yeah, that makes sense. Ah. To have a condition that like overlaps senses, it actually makes a lot of sense. So Kelly's saying, so the brain gets overstimulated. Not quite. Because yeah, it's not overstimulated. Over- it's, it's differently stimulated. So it's it's exactly. um, the concept I'm aware of, and obviously not not everyone's the same, especially with synesthesia. It's literally different per person. But the way I sort of understand it is, it can be one of these things where if you get like an overwhelming feeling of, let's say, sadness or remorse or something, instead of instinctively like feeling sad or like beginning to cry your vision turns blue. That is an extreme example. Overlap. I want to say the most common is the sound visual or the audio visual crossover. So that's like where you hear a sound and you see it as a color, which I do have, like I said, to a a minor degree. I don't see like whole paintings and, and it's not bright colors. If I am injured, I taste that I'm injured. Interesting. So, Interesting. Okay. Not really something you'd be able to to do in film. I, I think again, I think like the the visual color side you could, but again, I don't. I don't yeah. think it would be like fully not understood. But I don't think it would convey. Okay. I, so I, I think you definitely get you know, audience members that would sit there and be like, "Oh well, all they did is anytime it was a sad scene, they put a blue filter on, and angry scenes had red filters." Right. Yeah. You know, like, and it it would it would come across as one of those like meh like what's what's the point almost and to be fair i could i could see that you know what what is the point unless you've got like some very interesting concept with it e.g the entire film is shot 
first person or something like if you made it very artsy like that i could see it sort of working but again right i think it's just one of those odd things where i just don't think you'd be able to do it in film there is a film that has done something approaching synesthesia i don't think they were particularly meaning to represent synesthesia but in the film ratatouille yeah there's a scene where remy is tasting different foods yes i know the thing you're talking about yeah where like and the, colors and it, the, the music and the lights yeah I okay so that's the um best sort of representation or example of synesthesia that i can think of in film but like i said i don't think they were specifically intending to represent synesthesia i just think that's a good way of explaining it to someone who doesn't have it mm. um this makes me think the skittles taste the rainbow maybe had a synesthesia of some sort it's entirely possible um lemon is pleasant look there are worse things um it's just it's it's a strange thing um and it is going away the older i get so I don't know if my brain has evolved to cope with it or something. Um, uh, can numbers be involved somehow? I'm not entirely sure. I'm not an expert on synesthesia. Um, I've never experienced anything like that with numbers, but I don't see why not. Um makes sense it's it's an input so it has to be processed so yes there's a possibility that it could be cross-processed with something else um but whether there's any documented uh, documented cases of it i couldn't say um dr sage does not know um dr sage says google it yeah Dr. Sage refers you to Dr. Google. Um, and RP just disappeared. That's nice. Um, Gremlins attack. <laughs> right. So on, on that topic, um, Gremlins. Gremlins is a topic, isn't it? It's Gremlins one of those is a ones. topic. It's a classic... You know, you can't not like Gremlins, but you can absolutely not like Gremlins too. Absolutely. I have very mixed feelings about Gremlins. I like it for the nostalgia factor. It, it's definitely a nostalgia pick for me, but I also have major issues with it. In what way? Don't feed them after midnight, but then he doesn't give it an end time. Therefore, everything is after midnight. I've always thought this. This has bothered me. Literally when, my when entire life. After midnight. I think it's implied that it's between midnight and sunrise. Yeah. But it's never expressly stated. Nope. Agreed. He just says, don't feed them after midnight. And technically, everything oh, is after midnight. midnight. If you don't give an end time, everything is after midnight. Mm hmm. Um, I also have an issue with the girl gremlin is just a gremlin in makeup. That's very 80s, though. 
I know, but it also borders on like the whole like Stitch and Girl Stitch. It was like Stitch is blue and Girl Stitch is pink. Like, really? I know it's pointlessly gendered. Yeah, but like, is this is that how we want to? And obviously, it's yes. All right, this is the eighties, and I think the Stitch thing is the early two thousands. But yeah, I mean, like in terms of creativity, right? Think 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 of a gremlin. It's not a humanoid mm. character or feet or like object at all. It has been right. creatively invented, and the most creative way they managed to fu- to figure out this fictional species to become feminine is to put makeup on it. Yeah, that's just lazy. It's not even sexist, but it's just lazy. What 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 is your point? Yeah. Are you suggesting that if we ever found aliens on another planet? All the girls are pink and the boys are blue. Like, is this? Where do we stand on Ghostbusters? Again, I I do quite like Ghostbusters, but it is also one of those things where I'm like a little bit flawed in a way. These like four near enough random guys manage to figure out how to capture ghosts, and no one else in the world has ever done it. I may be misremembering because there was a short-lived cartoon series i think in the early 90s of the ghostbusters which i saw before i ever saw the films and if i'm not mistaken they do go a little bit more in depth into the how slash why of the four guys and their sciencing or pseudosciencing maybe i don't know but it it did or it did always just make me feel a bit like mm-hmm. Like, I love the concept, but it, again, it's like like you say with Gremlins. It's one of those like once you once you like see something or something gets pointed out, for everything else, then goes yeah, but mm. yeah, and yeah. The, you know, even to the whole the whole concept of ghosts and the capturing of the ghost and the storing of the ghosts. You know, how did you figure that out? What what experiments did you do to practice that? And get you know that they were like, oh, it's fine. We've got like a container that we can put them in once captured. And it's like, how would you know it's going to contain them? What did you test? on this container to ensure that it can hold a ghost, which no one's ever done before. How did you, Yeah. What science went into that, that experiment? Exactly. Where, where is the scientific method? Yeah. And, but the, and it's just never explained. It's just always like, yeah, well it works. It's like, but yeah. if you guys have done it and it, you know, if there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? Allegedly fucking anybody. Right. <sighs> so all it says, for the time, it was fab. Nowadays, it's a bit naff. That's fair. Roughly um, Did you see the new Ghostbusters? The, the was it Chris Hemsworth? Yes. Um, no. I saw about two minutes of it while my mother-in-law was watching it. And I promptly retreated to the bedroom to work on my novel. Because I... I don't want to shit on anything for the sake of shitting on things. Go on, Sage. Be controversial. Here we go. But I don't know why we needed a reboot. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I would like to say that just reversing sexism doesn't make it not sexism. Preach. While I have the utmost respect for all of the cast, they're all great actors fine i'm i'm not saying anything against I, them i, I just true? don't know 
if that was a movie that we needed. First off, absolutely right about reboots. Why did we need a Ghostbusters reboot? You're also absolutely right in terms of the point of like feminism and gender equality is the, the second half of that, which is equality. The idea is that women should have equal rights as men, not men should be shit on to make women look better because you're not actually then gaining anything. You're just being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Like if if you've got a, a, if you've got a really nice house next to like a, a really run down house. Bombing the nice house doesn't make it equal. That's not the goal. Yeah. You yeah. can't you can't go, you know, yes, we're run down, but at least we didn't get bombed. You know, that's not really the point, is it? That's not no, the discussion exactly. what you're having. And for some reason that tends to be like the modern concept is like, you know, if we you know, shit on men as much as possible, it gives women power. And it's like, it really doesn't. It just makes you as bad as the men that you were complaining about. What do we want to talk about next? Shall we do the one actually scary thing on my list? Yeah, go on. So, the one actually scary thing on my list. Pan's Labyrinth. Never seen it. I've, I've never seen it on the basis of... Pan's Labyrinth is the, the thing with like, the weird head, right? Yeah. So, my issue with it is... It's an uncomfortable mixture of practical and visual effects that I don't think would were done well at all. So I actually I, I've seen like a trailer or a couple of clips and it I actually find it humorous rather than scary because of the, because of the visual effects. I think it was too um, too adventurous and not not like executed well enough. It, it's one of those things where like um, you can just sort of have the idea and when. Well, rather than wait until we can do it good, should we just do it? Well, we so honestly they, just they can't like, win with you. No. So they did this, like, physical effect where you can tell that the actor is wearing, like, at some form of headdress or mask or whatever, and they projected onto that physical a CGI um, concept. And I just don't see why you would do it. Either make it CGI or make it physical. But because of that, if you if you look at the face, you'll see that the horns look natural, they look real. But the um the eyes and the face, they almost look like they're not even attached to the head because it's physical versus CGI and they're not lined up. So from the trailers I've watched, I'm like, why would you why would you bother with that? That seems like such a waste a waste of a film because you're gonna you're gonna spend the entire film thinking that his eyes aren't attached to his head or you know, at some at some angles, the face isn't going to look like it is going to look totally different because you've got a physical head that you're projecting a face onto. So the head's there, the face is there, which means that when you look at look at it straight on, the CGI is probably okay apart from the color distortion. Go side on any three D element of the face that's being CGI'd is is going to be disproportionate to what you just saw here because they're having to invent how big it is on the side in comparison to the, the physical effect. And it's it's a wasted effort. I just don't get why you would bother. I like Pan's Labyrinth. I think you should watch it at some point. Suspend your disbelief. Can I can I add another another bit to the Pan's Labyrinth? Um this character or uh, yeah. also added me? Because this is I think mostly practical. But if you look here, you can see where the 
where the practical and the and the CGI don't mix because you can see the latex go around his ear. Why would you bother? Give him a latex ear. It's not that difficult. What? Why would you do that? That's a real man's ear with a latex mask on, and you can see where it overlaps his ear. What's what was the budget for this film? This 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 is my issue. Look, where's the where's the budget? Nineteen million dollars was spent on this film, and they couldn't give him a plastic ear. <sighs> okay. This is why I haven't seen Pan's Lab. <laughs> well, I think you need to sort yourself out. <laughs> I think the films need to sort themselves out. If you can't do it, you wait till you can. If we apply that same logic to writing, then I'm never going to write a word. No. Because I don't have the ability to tell the story that I want to tell. So I should just wait until I do have the ability to tell the story that I want to tell. No, that's, that's not the concept. That's not that's not the point. The point is I'm saying here is you, is you're trying to with film they're trying to to like suspend your belief obviously they're trying to build a creation. The the equivalent would be if you were to say I want to write a book, you can't you can't express words in any physical way. You've got no eyes, you you have no senses and you cannot speak but you want to write a book. Well you can't. You you physically cannot because you can't do it yourself and you can't express to someone else how you would like to do it that that would be oh, that'd be the only similar concept for writing a book every other way you'd be able to write a book you know if, if you're blind you can still write a book if you're deaf you can still write a book but like, you would have to get rid of every sense to not be able to write including speech to not be able to write a book but for a film we're talking the difference of we either give him a full latex head or we give him a latex mask and just let his natural ears stick out i'm not a i'm not a costumer i'm not an effects person i can't give you the answer you don't need to. I'm just an angry film fan. <laughs> you don't sound like a fan at this point. I'm, you just I'm sound a, I'm angry. A, I'm a big fan of, of cinema as an as an art form. And this is why I get upset, because I'm like, I'm sure that and the, some of the, the designs of Pan's Labyrinth, I'm like, this looks like it could have been an awesome film. How did you, go, how did you do it so wrong? How about, instead of shitting on my tastes, you talk about one of yours. Let's go with... Oh, I'll tell you what. Let, in terms of speaking of how did you do something so wrong, right? Rocky Horror Picture Show. Rocky Horror Picture Show is classic. Now, everything I've been saying about if you can't do it, don't bother, Rocky Horror does perfectly. Because one of the key things about the Rocky Horror Picture Show is it's meant to feel budget it's meant yes, to it be this kind of like satirical piece it's you know it, it's the reason it's a classic is because it's shit it's the point and it it successfully does that it it yeah. it's deliberately designed to poke holes in like common concepts to prove its concept of its like like lgbt message it's, the the design is basically look at how like um like budget this film is to like sort of expose and show the holes how underneath everything here's what's going on and it's a, it's a commentary on life it's a commentary on like you can make your life as glamorous or extravagant as you like but you can't ignore that this the, the, this like subject exists it's it's always going to be there and it, it it is a unique thing so it doesn't matter how 
like massively over glamorized you make anything you're not going to get away from it and that's part of the point of the film and so rocky horror does this you know if you can't do it don't bother it does that perfectly it's an incredible film so i mean the whole the whole concept of rocky horror is it's a parody of b and c grade sci-fi and horror films it's meant to be campy and pulpy and low budget and shocking and it achieves it perfectly i haven't really got much of a, rocky horror is an, is an incredible film and it, i'm I, a I think huge even fan. to the point of the the confusion that the film creates like if you sit there and if, if you're like what's the actual plot you're like um horror breakdown castle musical numbers like, like it's, aliens? Yeah. Um, spaceships? Like, like it, it, it's a campy horror sci-fi musical. Yeah, it makes no sense. And that's why I love it. And it's because that's that's the point. It's not meant to make sense. It's it that's that's how you parody right. I have to say, if you had had a go at Rocky Horror, I would have climbed through my webcam and beaten you senseless. I I think I would have deserved it. No, okay. I, I adore Rocky Horror. I will not say or hear a bad word about it. To be fair, I don't know any theatre kids who don't love Rocky Horror. It's because it's one. It's exactly because of what I've been saying. It's one of those films where if you know anything about performing and slash or film and film as an art rather than mm -hmm. a culture. Does that make sense? Like, like, right. There's a big difference, and this was a, a debate recently about, you know, are are the Marvel films cinema or not? Because there's this concept of you can make a film, you can have the film designed to sell well and be popular with audiences, but critically, it can be awfully shot. The writing could be awful, the music could be horrendous, but it still sells well because guns, explosions, and something else. You can sort of see, you know, take, right, take Transformers. Transformers is a perfect example. Transformers always does well at the box office. The films are horrendous. They're awful. They are dreadful. Like, they're, they're not well shot. The effects aren't good. The scripts aren't, aren't good. The acting isn't good. The score isn't good. Like, there's no part of the films that are well made. But because of the plot line and because of the, the fandom, they do well at box office. They make money. Yeah, that's a film. Cinema is then sort of down to its its creation, its art form, its basically everything else. How how good actually is it in terms of how well was it made? I think with with the Marvel thing, you also get into the Pixar thing of well, Marvel and Pixar are good at storytelling. See again, I'm going to go because mm, uh, Pixar is a slightly different concept because obviously it's animation. So in terms of um you know effects acting cinematography half that doesn't really count because no, it's not right i'm i'm just saying from a, a purely looking for redeeming features okay okay right? okay yeah they are good at story ignoring cinematography performance effects blah 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 they at least have that going for them You've got a butt in there somewhere, haven't you? Whereas Transformers has nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Aside from Megan Fox, question mark? De three question marks. 
I want to say it was Scorsese that said that the Marvel films aren't cinema. I'm going to disagree with it on the basis of I actually, I actually think a lot of the Marvel films are actually very well made. Think of, have you seen Guardians of the Galaxy? About half of it. Okay. The script for that is very well written. That is an incredible script. Okay. You know, that film is hilarious based on the characters and the writing. It's not funny right. because it's got visual gags. It's mm-hmm. not funny for its set or you know costume like that. It's funny because of the characters, of how Drax interacts with people, of how Rocket interacts with people. It's it's very well written. Right. You, you also then need to look at Marvel and go, okay, well, what about like the acting? Okay, well, if if you list off some of the actors, if I said, okay, right, who's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Michael Douglas, mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. Paul Rudd, Mark right. Ruffalo, Benedict Cumberbatch, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman. Are, are, are these B-list actors that are known for being awful? Or are these massive A-listers that are known for being very good uh, actors. Pretty much all of the Marvel films have been directed by multi-award winning directors that have gone on to right. loads of other stuff. Um, the most recent of which has been Taika Waititi, who just won... Love him. I want to say the Oscar for the Jojo Rabbit film. Was that Oscars I think he won? Yeah. I don't pay attention to awards at all. I think um, it was Oscars. I... The point is, is that that, that, that film was almost almost boycotted because people were like it's got no redeeming qualities it's going to be bad um yeah. and then the fit and then um taika waititi's like yeah but i just won an oscar yeah <laughs> and everyone was like oh he's actually really good maybe we should go check out his film and then it was like oh this is actually directed really well the script is actually really good the effects look amazing yeah like, Jeff Goldblum, hello. You know, like it exactly. And went to go see the film and was like, I take it back. Sorry, I, I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just waited till I saw it. My bad. <laughs> so, I don't have much to say regarding Marvel because I'm not a huge superhero fan. I like Iron Man, um, I like the first movie, second movie's shit, third movie's okay um that's a pretty good analysis and then i like thor ragnarok which is the taika waititi one which is the taika waititi and i think that's because um they treated thor less as a serious character and more as a comedic character which at least in the in okay so i didn't have access to comics growing up but at least in the cartoons that I watched, Thor was always a slightly more comedic character than Thor meant to be a comedic character um, culturally. That's the one of the main things on Thor. Exactly, it's meant to be this idea of really old Norse god got it's fish out of water power chilling on Earth, being like, yeah, well, what do I do here? Like that's meant to be part of the joke. Is like, yeah, exactly. he's got this sick hammer. He just sort of swings around and he's like, yeah, mm, mm, puts it down. Someone tries to pick it up 
and he doesn't even notice like he's, he's oblivious like that's part of the joke yeah and that i think has, has only really been best played in ragnarok and um avengers age of ultron i would say the two films so, where Thor is at his best i think i watched the first captain america and obviously the iron man films and I want to say I watched the first Avengers film and then I kind of just gave up. Um, I kind of did the same thing with X-Men. X-Men is so, definitely valid, especially, especially after, if, you want, if you're watching them in order, um, especially after Days of Future Past. I didn't even do... watch Days of Future Past. Okay, good. Don't ever watch Days of Future Past. Don't ever watch Apocalypse and don't ever watch Dark Phoenix. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yes, because essentially what happened is in Days of Future Past, um, the plot line is that the giant robot things that... Sentinels. I didn't know if you'd know what that was, so I said giant robot. Darling, I grew up on the on the X-Men cartoon in the 90s. Okay, although I actually don't it know was the my... guy's name. What's the, what's the guy's name who made the Sentinels? Oh, fuck, I can't remember. He's, he's played by one of the Game of Thrones guys in the film. Peter, he's played by Peter Dinklage. That's who I was thinking of. Game of Thrones guy is Peter Dinklage's character. Um, basically, the, the Sentinels have taken over Earth. Um, mutants are losing at the war, and so they decide to send Wolverine back in time to prevent the Sentinels being made. What he actually does. So it's a, essentially it's a kill Hitler pro- plot line. Yeah. What he actually does is. While he succeeds in doing that, he does that by erasing the timeline, which actually translates to every single Marvel film you've ever seen no longer happened. Okay. So, X-Men cartoon in the 90s. For a long time, that theme tune was my ringtone on my cell phone. Nice. I think Last Stand King was the third one. So I watched the movies when they came out, X-Men, and then, what was it, X2, and then... No, first car, last stand. Whatever. I I watched those three, and then I was just like, you know what, I'm I'm done. This is not doing it for me. X-Men, X2, last stand, Origins Wolverine, first class, the Wolverine, and then Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past literally just went, everything you've previously seen no longer happened yeah and then that's Um, when it made the the new timeline which is apocalypse logan dark phoenix i'm going to speed through my list of things but maybe you should first speed through your list of things and the crossovers arthur miller's the crucible which is a big one right and little chopper horrors because I don't care what anyone says, that's one of the best musicals going. Absolutely. Practical Magic, I realise, yeah. is not not specifically a Halloween film, but it is a witchy film. And you we know how I feel Hocus about Pocus. witches. See, I don't like Hocus Pocus. I don't dislike it, I just don't feel strongly about it. Um, this has been Here for the Bands. This will be our last podcast. Thank you all for coming. And I'm afraid, for me, that's that's about the best you're going to get is gothy. <laughs> That was a violent reaction. How do you not like Hocus Pocus? I just, I don't get the appeal. Maybe because I only saw it 
I was already an adult when I saw it. I mean, I, I didn't grow up with it. I, I don't know. I just, I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't see the appeal. Well, I just think you're absolutely wrong. That's fine. In fact, I mean, now I'm going to rephrase that. I know you're absolutely wrong. I don't think it. You are just wrong. That's fine. Um, if I can find it on a streaming service that I have access to, I, I will give it another go. The Wicker Man, the 1973 version, not the ridiculous thing with the bees. Also, I read the book that it was based on, and the book was kind of shit. So, the Cornetto trilogy which I, I realise is not specifically Halloween-y. I'd still um, class, I'd class them as horror comedies. Yeah, they're parodies. So... Yeah. And they, they are well made. I'm not a massive fan of the Cornetto trilogy. Um, I like them. I've got nothing against them. I do enjoy them. I just... I'm not like... I'm, like I can't... I can't watch them multiple times. Like... I can pretty much watch it, and I'll I'll watch it again in a few years. Like I'm not, I'm just not a massive fan. But so, my issue is, as much as I like them, I don't find them laugh out loud hilarious, like some people do. Fair. I guess, See, again. I do find well, Shaun of the Dead. Okay, I I have watched it. I'll watch it again in a couple of years. Fine. World's End. I've watched it. I'll watch it again in a couple of years. Fine. Hot fuzz. I can watch repeatedly. Now, see again, hot, hot fuzz again is, is good. I like it. I did in very much. I did very much enjoy it, but I didn't laugh out loud. I, I wasn't. I wasn't in, in hysterics. So I don't. I, I wouldn't rush to to watch it again. Is all my issue is. That's fair. I mean, I think we have established that while our senses of humour do overlap somewhat, um, we are quite different. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, the cast is great. Cheeky bit of Bette Midler, can't go wrong. Gormenghast. Okay, so uh, Gormenghast is essentially a gothic don't know that it's I wouldn't really call it a horror it's kind of a dark fantasy I don't count um, but it's plenty spooky or eerie so it's it's gothy thing at some point I will give it another watch and I will let you know even just watching like just for SJP I do like SJP, and that's okay. Nocturna, it's animated. It's a Spanish film. In the aging orphanage, the days pass very uneventfully, but the nights are something quite different, at least for Tim they are. They, uh, the light reflected from the stars is the only cure for his fear of the dark. One night, this fear leads him to the orphanage rooftop, where he discovers that his favorite star has disappeared, and unfortunately it's not going to be the last one. And he will do whatever it, uh, he will do what it takes to see it shine in the night sky once again. So basically, it's kind of like um, in the Neverending Story how um, the nothing is basically taking the whole fantasy world away. 
Okay, so written by Wentworth Miller. Very surprising. Good for you. It's one of those... It's. I want to say watching Murder House gave me flashbacks to Stoker. Oh, that's who Wentworth Miller is. Okay, the guy from Prison Break. The guy from Prison Break. There's some kind of overlaps in... Not specifically in the story, but kind of in the tone. Right. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a similar plot line with basically the stars being stolen out of the sky. Okay. And it's up to this one child who has a crippling fear of the dark to basically combat it. Um, and it's again, more eerie and strange than it is scary. But I feel like it fits the Halloween aesthetic. That's fair. Number 23. Thriller, not horror, but... Don't think I know it. Okay, so uh, Jim Carrey plays a guy who is basically obsessed with the number 23, and he starts out like a normal guy, and then he starts... I've heard of like, this actually. I've I've been meaning to watch this for a very long time, but every time I re I remember that this thing exists, I forget what it's called. Number twenty three. The number twenty three. Yes. Right. Um. So I'm not going to spoil that one for you, but you. I will just say I'm not a Jim Carrey fan generally. Disgusting. Um, but the number twenty three and the majestic. Love it. And I suppose the Truman Show, although I, I have issues with the Truman Show because we did it for Filmlet um, in grade 11. And I just, I did not get on with that teacher and it was, it was a thing. Um, Mindhunters, absolute trash, but I love it. So it's uh, seven promising uh, young FBI agents vying for coveted spots as psychological profilers have to pass one final test before their selection, before they become mind hunters. Charged with their training, Harris is not a typical FBI agent, and his final test, which will decide who makes it and who doesn't, promises to be an all-too-real killer. So basically they go to a remote um, FBI location um, where they're supposedly facing a fake serial killer as their final exam. And the killer is not fake. It's very basic. It's kind of gruesome. It's silly. and Saw? See, I don't like Saw. Saw fit um, that way. Kind of basic. Pretty gruesome. Yeah. Stoker. Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. I what? Totally, totally campy. Um, basically, Joss Whedon, before we found out what a shit person he is. So basically, during the writer's strike in the late 2000s, um, all of Joss Whedon's projects were on hold because of the writer's strike. But he basically decided he was going to do this web show with... A bunch of people and NPH is in it. Okay. And
and Felicia Day is in it, and Nathan Fillion is in it. Um, and basically, NPH is a mad scientist who is trying to be accepted into the evil league of evil. And his, uh, his applications keep getting rejected because they say he's not evil enough. So, so Dr. Doofenshmirtz is Neil Patrick Harris. Kind of. Um, you felt that was appropriate for a Halloween stream. But on the, on the side, he's in love with, uh, I think she's his neighbor, um, this girl named Penny. Kind of goes with the Rocky Horror side of things more than okay. anything else. Why? I have justifications. Somewhere. Um, Hellboy, terrible, but I love it. I think that sums up Hellboy. And then, last on my list is Yanni Totsins. This is an Afrikaans film from the 70s, I think? 1970. The protagonist is patient in a mental asylum, and the... Asylum is kind of weird, but it is weird. Okay, fair enough. Um, and I won't know bad about it. I've never heard of it nor seen it. But I well, will say, based on my judgment of you, I don't think it's going to be scary. No, it's not scary at all. It's just weird. We've already established that I don't do scary. So speaking of that, let's get into our tasks. Well, I, I, I'm getting you to continue your education of American Horror Story. Right. Come join um, the Scary Leagues. You've, you've tickled Murder House. You've had your, your taste buds successfully tantalised. Okay, but, but first, my darling, you need to, we need to wrap up last week's tasks. Yeah, that's going to be a quick wrap-up, though, really, isn't it? Because I couldn't fulfil the task because I've done a week of no TV challenge which is meant, a vlog was meant to have gone up today. It just hasn't. That's okay. But It'll get there when it gets there. It'll get there when it gets there. Uh, so that's, that's a thing. And you absolutely adored American Horror Story because I'm a genius. And so when I so, tell you to watch more of it, you're going to say yes. Okay, so last week, last week, last episode, I said that I would probably get halfway through Coven because I estimated that I would be able to watch about one episode every two or three days. I watched five episodes on the first day. got busy with some other stuff, but then uh, that weekend I absolutely smashed through the rest of Coven. Um, I have a lot of feelings about Coven. I did absolutely love it. I, I think, think we need to have a... Um episode just on american horror story or or in fact no, an episode uh, an episode per season okay so um as soon as i have caught up to all of american horror story we will do deep dives on each season deep dive what a good term i've totally stolen that from the bestseller experiment Oh, That's God. what they call their special episodes. Look, I don't think it's a trademarked term. I'm sure that we can use Probably. it. Now, um, we'll, we'll make an American Horror Story related one. We'll we'll figure something out. Okay. So, um, 
having absolutely smashed through it, like within the first week, I then asked for further recommendations. And we basically decided that with the exception of Freak Show, I should watch all of them. And I'm still going to try Freak Show. Mm-hmm. With the caveat that I will nope out if the chlorophobia is too much. Yeah. Because uh, sleep is still something that actually has to happen. I, I will say, though, it's not a massive part of Freak Show. So I'll see when I get there. Yeah. It's the, without, without ruining anything about Freak Show, it's there. I'm not going to pretend it's not because otherwise you'll give it a watch and then hate me. But it's it's there. Um, it's not a massive essential part. It it is relatively minimal in the sense of you probably could Google the screen time, and it, it just know and skip those bits. So if you go like episode four, you know what times is you know our clowns on the screen? It would say between this minute, this minute, and this minute. There's probably about four minutes of the episode where it's on screen. Right. Plotline wise, very important character, but screen time actually relatively minimal. But again, well, I because I, I don't have the I don't have the fear. I'm saying it's minimal screen time that could still have maximum personal effects. Impact, I, I yeah. don't know. This, this is why I'm sort of saying like so, I can say try it, but yes, if if it yeah. feel free to nope out because I I don't have chlorophobia. I can't comment. But yeah, I, I think so, from a, a purely logical standpoint i don't think that the screen time's enough where i think it would be that big an issue but then again like i say i don't have the issue so so i smashed through coven i smashed through murder house i finished it uh, about three hours before we started this podcast again i have some things to say but we will i did just want to mention one more Thing because it is your task for mm-hmm. next episode is firstly to continue or, or complete the, the task from last episode, which was to watch yep. Whisper of the Heart. Um, yep. I also want you to watch Over the Garden Wall. Over the Garden Wall. Is this another animation thing? It is another animation. It's a series on Netflix. If you can't find Over the Garden Wall, then I task you to watch Spirited Away. Which uh, is on Netflix. I just saw it, so that's okay. It absolutely is, because the only Ghibli movie that is not on Netflix is Grave of the Fireflies. So my task, I assume, is more AHS. Yeah. Keep going. So I'm going on with Asylum. So now that uh, you have thoroughly destroyed my um film tastes i wouldn't say tastes i'd say uh, i've um analyzed your interests well my interests are wide and varied and eclectic so i analyzed them at them accurately just trash well i am trash so <laughs> deal with it all right. Speaking of trash, where where can people find this this trash? So this trash is on all of the pod platforms except Apple, and you can find me on Instagram at Moonbunny Creative, and on YouTube Moonbunny Creative, 
And you can find RP on Instagram, RP Winters underscore author. Yeah, boy. And on YouTube, RP Winters. You can find us on YouTube, uh, Here for the Bands podcast. If you look for Here for the Bands by itself, you will get someone else. So make sure that when you're searching, you search Here for the Bands podcast. Um, and we have an email address, which is hereforthebandspod at gmail.com. Send us in your love and ideas. Or throw digital fruit at us. That's also cool. Our next episode will be streaming live on the YouTubes on the 2nd of November at 2 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. British, 9 p.m. South African, because the clocks will have changed. That's pretty much it, yeah. is- if you If you have enjoyed this podcast, do give it a like and cheeky uh, stroke of the sub of the scribes. God, did you have to phrase it that way? Um, he's RP, I'm Sage, this has been here for the bands, and we'll see you again soon. <laughs>